Well, good evening, and uh, tonight we're, um, we're going to be in the book of Hosea, and we're going to kind of focus on chapter 14, but I'm, I need to give you a little bit of background. Hosea is one of those, um, well, there's certain parts of Hosea I will not read out loud in church. How's that sound? Uh, you know, there, there's the only thing that I won't read out loud in church besides this, so I'm giving you stuff to look up is Ezekiel 23. That, so now everybody will be turning to Ezekiel 23 to see why I won't read that one out loud either. Um, but that's another chapter I will not read. Um, but you know, it's interesting that God gets so graphic sometimes when he, when he inspires people to write. And if you read the first you know, three chapters of Hosea, you will see it's pretty graphic. You read Ezekiel, you looked it up, didn't you? I told you. <laughs> She'll read it later tonight, which you can actually read all of it. It is, I mean, it is graphic. I mean, it is, I, I had, believe it or not, I only found that a couple years ago. It was Ezekiel 23, I was reading through something and went, what? And, and it just kind of hit me upside the head. I'm going, the that's in the, wow, that's, it's, I'm, I'm, we have adults here tonight, so I can say some of this stuff. It's a salacious chapter in the Bible. It really is. I mean, they get graphic about what, I mean, God was angry with the people is why he, he interpreted this. And it's obviously it's about Israel and Judah, and, and that's what the two ladies <laughs> that it talks about. But I mean, it's, it, it is, I will never read it out loud in church, I'm just saying. You know you, you know, you should be able to read any of the Bible out loud in church, right? I'm sorry. There's some of it I'm just not doing. I just I'm, I will be red in the face and, and, and just can't do that. And some of, of Hosea's, as you know, God tells Hosea to marry an adulterous woman, a prostitute possibly, a person that is going to be unfaithful to him. Now, how many people, that, we're looking for a pastor. Do you want your new pastor to be married to a prostitute or an unfaithful woman? Probably not. Not someone you'd be looking for. Now, this is a prophet of God, right? God's prophet. And he's telling her him to marry a woman that he knows without a shadow of doubt is going to be unfaithful to him. As the person that I am, I'd be going, now, God, are you sure about what, what are you talking about? You know, you, you've got to be kidding me. you you got to have, we, we wouldn't, like I said, most churches would never do that. And, and what's worse than that, he, she has three children, the first of which, Jezreel, I believe was the name was, was okay. That was probably going, probably his, Gomer by, is her name, which is a whole other story, you know, that's what a name for the lady, but Anyway, and we know names are very important in the Bible, right? So the first, first child she, he had was Gomer. The next one was basically, when you translate it, was not loved. And many theologians believe that that child was probably not Hosea's either. The first one they think was Hosea's. The second one they don't think was Hosea's. It was probably from some other guy. And the third one, they're almost definitely sure, was not, other, not from Hosea, it was some other guy, and his, his name was, um, I've departed from you, or something. I mean, now think about going around um, what, where you are, what, what it is. You know, it's, um, 
and I'll make sure I do, I do say these right. The, the, the daughter was the second child, and that's the one that says not love, lo Rama. And the, uh, the third one, um, it, you know, is, um, I've got it here in my notes, was he showed, the, just look it up, that's right here. And the third, the third child came along, and they called him, sorry about this, I was not counting on telling you all this, this is not really what was in my um, initial notes, but now that I was talking about it, it was um, no, no mercy, and um, anyway, it's gone, I hate it when that happens, but anyway, there, there were people that you're kind of looking at and going, you've got to be kidding, they're, they're doing this, and, um, and the, yeah, the third one was Lo Romua, and, and it was, which was called him Lo Ami, which is, you're not my people, right? I, I knew I would find it. I was just trying to look in a different one. You're not my people. So you're not loved. Can you imagine a child going through life, growing up, knowing their name meant not loved or not my people? I mean, that's pretty harsh, isn't it? Now, we know that later in the, the book, things get taken care of and, and, and God changes all that and, and shows things. But that's, that's where we've got, we start this story, is Hosea is caught in this mess with I'm marrying a person that is going to be unfaithful. And then, after she runs off, he has to buy her back. Now, we don't know exactly why he had to buy her back. It could have been that she was owned by that person. It could have been a slave kind of thing. It could have been that, that, she was, that he had to pay a dowry again to get her. It, it, it could have been any number of things. Whatever it is, he had to pay to get her back. Now, he could have divorced her and had rights to do that, but God did not want him to do that. And of course, we know that this all symbolizes Israel and how they had been unfaithful to God. And Hosea is representing basically God. And we can imagine the hurt that must have been in, in God's when he sees his unfaithful people. Because let's face it, folks, that's us. Right? We are the unfaithful people. Israel was unfaithful. We're the ones that cheat on God. I don't know how else to put it. And he says, you've got to do this. And then he says, but for me to buy you back, you can't cheat anymore. Now, we don't know why she did. We don't know even if she was actually a prostitute before they got married or not, or if that was just her wandering ways. But it was a person that God knew was going to be unfaithful to Hosea. And he warned him that she was going to be unfaithful to him and so he had to do that so now as you think about that and you go on through Hosea we get to chapter 14 which is saying it's time to come back it's time to seek God so I, um, I'm going to read chapter 14 if you'd like to stand in, in reference of, of the reading of his word return O Israel to the Lord your God your sins have been your downfall Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all our sins and receive us graciously, as we may offer the fruit of our lips. 
Assyria cannot save us. We will not war, mount war horses. We will never again say our gods to what our own hands have made. For in you the fatherless find compassion. I will heal their waywardness and love them freely. For my anger is turned away from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. He will blossom like a lily. Like a cedar of Lebanon, he will send down his roots. His young shoots will grow. His splendor will be like an olive tree. His fragrance like the cedar of Lebanon. Men will dwell again in his shade. He will flourish like the grain. He will blossom like a vine. And his fame will be like the wine from Lebanon. O Ephraim, what more have I to do with you with idols? I will answer him and care for him. I am like a green pine tree. Your fruitlessness, fruitfulness becomes from me. Who is wise? He will realize these things. Who is discerning? He will understand them. The ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. May God bless the reading of his word. So it's time now to seek God. He says that right off the bat. We have strayed from him, but God has brought us back. And the time has come for us to seek him. Think about that. Think about life in these United States. Think about life in Athens, Georgia. Think about life in Georgia, period. We need to think about how God has brought us out of bondage, really, but we have to seek Him and look for Him. We cannot count on government. He says that right in here. You just cannot count on, on these Assyria. Uh, you can't count on those people. Assyria can't save us. He can't, we will not mount on war horses. We cannot do that. And that's getting obvious more and more every day. We cannot count on government. If we think we're going to depend on them, it's not going to happen. I'm not a, I don't like to get political in church, and I'm not going to get political now, but I am going to say that we are becoming way too dependent on government for all that we do and all that we say and all that everything. And it seems to me that we need to seek God and turn towards Him. We also can't count on ourselves. We can't do it ourselves. Chapter 11 talks about God's love for Israel. Even though they continued to cheat on Him, they continued to stray, God still loves Israel. Uh, that's one of my big things is that I don't ever want to see the United States go against Israel. I'm sorry, we don't like to admit it, they're God's chosen people. You can look at it any way you want to, you can say, how is that possible? They're God's chosen people. I don't want to be on the side of going against God's chosen people. I look around this room, God has chosen you, right? God is, loves you. He cares for you. you. I'm assuming probably everyone in here has already accepted Christ as our Savior. You belong to God. I don't want to go against you. Now, am I going to disagree with you about certain things? Absolutely. Are you going to disagree with me about things? Definitely. I understand that. And that's okay. But we do know what we can agree on. Jesus Christ, Son of the living God. Jesus Christ, 
died on the cross to save us from our sins. Jesus Christ rose from the dead to conquer death and to show that we can have eternal life. We can agree on those things. And there's probably a whole lot of other things we could agree on too. But if that's the main stuff right there, I hope we realize that is the main thing. The, we have to understand that we cheat and follow other gods, but God still loves us and cares for us. We follow, I mentioned it this morning, we follow all kinds of gods, don't we? We worship a lot of things that we shouldn't be. So as we come into this final chapter, Hosea has told Israel and even displayed Israel through his marriage that God knows them for who they are, yet still loves them. See, Israel had played out for them, this prophet, exactly who they were. They were maybe not have realized it, but you know they, had, they knew that Hosea was a prophet of God because he preached to them and talked to them. We, we, they know that. But they, I'm sure they sat around scratching their heads wondering about this wife he had. Or so-called wife he had. Uh, come on. I mean, they were like the Baptist church. They were sitting back there going, what kind of preacher is this we got? Right? They did. You know they did. They sat there going, what in the world? His wife's off going around all these, all these guys. We're not sure whose kids those really are. We don't, you know, I mean, think about it. That is, you know, they don't look anything like Hosea. You know, you, you can hear them, you can see them, you can see them. I just don't know about this. I think we ought to call a business meeting, you know. We don't, that's how they looked. But yet he had them played out. And he goes, how much does God love them? He invites them to come back, just as Hosea did for Gomer. He invites her to come back. And not only that, he paid a huge price. He sent Jesus, his son, to pay the price to get us back. A lot larger price than Hosea had to pay. He gave his life so that he could bring us back and to buy us back out of whatever situation we're in. All that, even though despite all the betrayal and cheating and straying, he wants uh, us back. That's the God we serve. That's true love. Even though we have done despicable things, he wants us back. Gomer did despicable things. There's no question. I'm looking at the men in this room. Then one of us would have put up with all that. Let's get real. We, we just wouldn't have. Why, why would we? Unless God told us to. As God told Hosea. You're going to put up with this. It's going to happen. I warned you ahead of time. Now it's happened. Now you've got to figure out how to deal with it. Hosea must have felt a small bit of the pain that our God feels as we stray, as we cheat, and as we go off. But that's the God we serve. He, wants, he loves us and wants us back. We first need forgiveness from our sins. We've got, we have to repent. What is repent? Turning away from those ways we're going. 
Gomer had to repent from what she was doing, turn around and come back and move back in with, with Hosea. She still probably had that bent to want to go and stray and cheat and move on. She still probably, that because that was obviously in her DNA. That was who she was. She wasn't happy with just one guy. She needed more. But for her to come back, she had to stop that. It's in our DNA to want to stray and go off and do things we know we're not supposed to do and do despicable things to our God. Yet we've got to repent, turn our back on those things, and come towards Him and follow Him. Nothing else can save us. Nothing else can get us back on track. We have to seek after God. He has come after us. He has shown His love and care for us. So now we must seek after Him and His ways. Because we have no other hope. We're doomed otherwise. If we do not do what we need to do and repent and turn to Him, we are doomed. We have to keep focused on Him and let Him love us back into His arms. When we return to Him, he will, we will bear fruit. We need to bear fruit. What fruit? What are you talking about, fruit? Right? Well, let's see. Galatians talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I think that was all of them. I have to kind of sing the song. Y'all do that. <laughs> the fruit of the Spirit. I have to kind of almost sing the song to do it. But anyway, the fruit of the Spirit. However, there's another kind of fruit we also bear. More Christians, right? More people into the kingdom. We are supposed to help others. Now, we, we all know we can't save a person. There's not a person that I can save or anybody can save. However, we can point them in the right direction. We can lead them to go the way they need to go. And that's one of the things, new Christians, helping others come to know who Christ is. When we have repented, then true healing can, get, can take place. And let's face it. We hear a lot and talk a lot about healing these days, don't we? You go to any prayer meeting and what do they do? List all the people that have got all these things going wrong with them, all the things that are happening in their lives and all those things that they need healing from. During COVID days, let's face it, we have talked nothing but healing. How are we going to heal this thing and how is it going to be? We know, I imagine everybody in this room knows somebody that's died from it. I couldn't say that a year ago, but I sure can say it now. We know that Unless God intervenes, we're going to have to probably deal with this forever. Okay, so how are we going to deal with it? It's healing. Well, what does healing look like? We're not even sure what it looks like, or we're not even sure how to he receive it. Let's face it, we don't know what a real healing looks like. Because guess what? Everybody's different, aren't they? Remember, one of the blind men that Jesus healed didn't, couldn't see really clear at first. He had to do what? Again. Why? Well... It wasn't because Jesus wasn't, it was his healing was different. Jesus told the man that they lowered down and his friends lowered him down in the middle of the, of the worship service, lowered him down there and said, just take up your bed and walk. That's all I told him. God took up his bed and walked. That's a different kind of healing from somebody that had to go wash in, in a river or had to go do this. You see, different kinds of healing. 
And let's face it, some people aren't healed in this world, they're healed by through death. We don't like that kind of healing. My guess is those that have healing that way do. I mean, I, seriously, I, I think that they're going, <laughs> they're, up there, they're up there praising Jesus in heaven, they're up there walking streets of gold, they're, they're all fishing in the river of life. You know, I don't know what they're doing, but they're, what I'm saying is, you know they're with the Savior, and that's a whole different world than what they're dealing with here. We also understand that healing isn't always pleasant. If y'all remember Methylade, the younger people don't remember Methylade. I think they found out that it was of the devil, and so they got rid of it. But all of us older folks had Methylade put on scratches or skins or something done on things. Burn? I'm telling you, burn. It was like salt on a wound or worse. It was, it was, it was a nasty treatment. I'll just tell you, it, was, it hurt. But that was supposed to help heal us, and it was supposed to be good for us. So our mama's scraping all that, all that burnt place. Everybody's, I can see all the cringes because they all had it done. I mean, folks, it just happened. And you young folks, sorry that you missed that glorious experience of the Lord. But, um, <laughs> but it, we, we didn't do it, and the healing did come maybe. We're not sure if it was from the methylate or just natural, but it, it was one of those things. And we, are, we like our healing to be instant. <laughs> and, and you know, unfortunately, healing isn't always instant, is it? Try healing a relationship one time. Healing relationships is not instant. It takes time. Healing may lead to losing someone. A piece of, of us may be taken if they have to amputate a foot or they have to do something. That it may take that. But our wants and wishes have to take second place. We don't like to let others go in front of us, do we? I have a great story for that. We went to the Miami Dolphins game last Sunday. And that was a unique experience in its own. Their parking is atrocious. I'm just going to say that. Miami has got to learn something about um, One of the people we were walking with said, the owner of the Dolphins needs to park their car in lot 22, where they tell us all to park, and walk to the stadium. It was 1.1 miles from the parking lot to the stadium. I'm not exactly in great shape, okay? I'm dying by the end of the 1.1 miles, and knowing I have to go back it was not fun. The reason we parked in lot 22 was because it was free, and when we looked up Uber, that's where they dropped you off. So if Uber's going to drop, why would I pay for Uber to drop me off at a place I could park for free and have to walk anyway? We did find a couple online parking places. They started at $103 for one parking place. So needless to say, we parked in lot 22 with everybody else in the stadium. Think about that for a minute. How many people there were, or it seemed that way. So we're in the parking lot trying to get out. I want you to know right now there are no Christians in Miami. <laughs> they were not going to let you out. And I mean they would run into you before they would let you out. We sat over an hour 
trying to weasel our way into the the zipper you know you're supposed to zipper through well they were coming from all direct it, it was it was atrocious parking was a breeze when we got there they had people there showed you right where to go park put you right in your right place they had lots of people to help you leaving there weren't a soul there wasn't a policeman anywhere near they didn't want to open up the roads to let you this group get out nothing so needless to say our parking experience was not good because people don't like to take second place they wanted to be in front of you no matter how long they had to wait or how long it was all going to happen and because of that it took forever we know that god heals he takes care of it when he restores israel and gives them their sight to the blind the lame or whatever he provides yet he wants us to repent he wants us to repent and turn to him to head back to him Israel has a history of returning, <laughs> turning and returning to God. <laughs> Think about it all the way through the Old Testament. Well, in the New Testament. And today. You know, they what? They go back and forth. They'll follow God and be right there with him. And then they'll turn from him. Then they'll come back. And oh, yes, God, you're the one and only God. And then they turn away. They have a history of doing that. They would always follow and worship idols. They would go off somewhere else. But there is new life when we follow God. But we have to have, as it said, strong roots. Like the tree of Lebanon is, is a strong, the cedar of Lebanon, it sends down its roots. Our roots need to be strong so that we're not easily knocked over. Because folks, we can be easily knocked over too many times. It is tough to really follow God and to follow Him. He gives us a firm foundation. And we can only live properly through His strong roots. We've got to dig down deep. It's hard, folks. They, none of this stuff easy. This stuff doesn't just happen. It isn't like, oh, I accept you, Jesus. Boom, I'm a strong-rooted Christian. I wish. And if it was that way, there would be no seats in this place or any other church anywhere around. Because we know what happens. Life happens. And it's tough. And we need healing. Healing would be like the wine in Lebanon. Now, wine in Lebanon, it says in here, was known for its wonderful aroma and taste. They said even after you had drank it later, you still could smell it and taste it. It was that, in a pleasant way. Now, we think of wine as in the strong, you know, the alcoholic kind of thing. This, and and we've got to look at it in a different way. This was, this was not a drunk kind of strong feeling. It was, but you smelled it and you, and you tasted it even after you'd had it, which made it enjoy the aroma long after it was gone. That's total healing. And see, that's how it is with God. When we're healed by God, we can still feel it and taste it and smell it and understand it no matter how long. That's healing. Seek after the Lord. Seek his healing, not our own. The old word physician, heal thyself, 
doesn't work. We try to heal ourselves too many times. We decide, I can do this. I can take care of this. I can handle this problem. No, you can't. Or if you do, it's going to be probably wrong. I can't tell you the number of <clears throat> church conferences, business meetings I've gone into that I thought, oh, I can handle this. It's not going to be any big deal. And somebody will bring that question up. I had one. I'll, I'll even give you an, an example of one. I was in Rosemont. I was pastor, new pastor, kind of. Been there a few years. I'd been there forever, but as pastor, I'd only been a few years. And we were relocating. And we had gotten these building plans. $125,000 worth of building plans. We were excited. We took them to the bank to show them this is what we want to build. And they looked at us and said, you can't do that. What you talking about? We want to build this. Well, you don't have enough money to build that. That's going to cost over $3 million. We'll lend you two. Maybe. We'd prefer to lend you one and a half. Uh, uh, uh. We spent $125,000 on these plans. We need to buy these. We want, we want to build these plans. So I had to go to a church town hall conference in our fellowship hall filled with people and say, guess what, folks? We threw away $125,000 and we need $75,000 more to do plans we can build. Or we could go to this other company and do it for 60000 But if you want something similar to what we had, just shrunk down and da 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 And I said, it's up to you all. You want to talk about somebody that prayed about that business meeting coming up? This preacher was praying hard for weeks ahead of that business meeting. Because I knew how I felt about it. I sure enough knew how the people were going to feel about this church that at that time was averaging less than 200 people were going to have to throw away $125,000? Now, folks, that's, that's a big... I want you to know one of the smoothest town hall business meetings you'd ever see. The people talked and discussed. We showed them the options, and they decided to go with the $75,000, the same architect, and just shrink them down. They decided to do that. 100% for it. No. And there was a lot, several people that were against relocating as it was. <laughs> so they were, yeah, we going to get them down, you know. And no. God took care of that meeting. You see, we have to seek after the Lord and his healing and his leadership. And guess what? He'll take care of it. I've never been so nervous about going into a meeting in my life. They were good folks. They were folks I loved. They loved me. That wasn't the problem. I was looking at, how do you tell a little church that they just basically flushed $125,000 down the drain? Now, I kept those plans in my office. They're probably still there. I hid them away because they were great plans. And it, it were awesome. And I wish we could have built it because we outgrew that building in no time and needed the larger building that we were building but the bank said no and we we borrowed luckily only a one and a half million and I think last I heard they're down to 300,000 that they owe on that or less 
maybe less, I don't know now. But what I'm saying is God took care of it. The payment was never a problem. Doing that never was a problem. Once we started building, was a glorious experience. Everybody went, and I'll have you know, even the naysayers, the one that said, we should never leave, it's a stupid, we should not be relocating, la, 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 are saying, you know, we built too small. And where were you three years ago? You know, I mean, that's exactly right. But see, that's how God works. That's what he's telling them through Hosea, is guess what? Yeah, you've messed up. You've done things wrong. Things have happened. But I will take care of you. I love you. Repent and come back to me. Seek after me. And I will give you life abundant. I'll give you the life that you never dreamed of. You only thought you knew what good life was. Let me show you what it really is. That's the God we serve. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and what it teaches us. We thank you that you take care of us when we don't take care of ourselves. We thank you that you love us so much, you invite us to come back, and that you seek after us. Help us, Lord, to seek after you and to follow you. Thank you, Lord. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. This is our invitation time. We invite you to come as we sing. Um, just if you have any decisions you need to make, this is your time. Let's all stand.